podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trey Strelko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Happy Space Game Week. Adam, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Trace. Excited for another UCF football game this week. These midweek games throw off my whole rhythm. I can't get used to this yet, but uh, I think this is our last one, right? So hopefully we'll make it a good one. UCF, the only team in the country having played on four different days of the week. If they can figure out... uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> right? They'll have the whole Listen, week. let's not tempt the weather gods here, Trace. Let's just let's just keep it moving, you know. UCF Mike expected to join us in progress. Yeah. So we got to 200 him. shows and he was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. He's had enough. Yeah. Let's begin with this though. Some good news on social media today. Our buddy James Reed, cost seg advisor, back on the Twitter. Let Night Nation know that he uh, continues to recover, and uh, you talked about him on your show Monday. A lot of folks uh, concerned about him, and uh, we wish James all the best in his recovery. Been in the hospital a little while, so uh, we wish him all the best. Uh, a great fan in Night Nation. Yeah, we said this on the pod this week. You know you've made it when you get a tweet from CostSec Advisor. Everyone knows that that handle. Everyone knows who he is. No one knows what CostSec Advisor means, by the way, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> you know it's you know it's James. Uh, definitely glad to hear that uh, he's he's getting a little bit better. Obviously, uh, uh, that, that's the cool thing about Night Nation. I said this on the show too. Like he just doesn't tweet for a few days, and everyone's like, "Where where is he? Where, where, what's happening?" And an army of people start you know reaching out and, and making connections and trying to see how he's doing. Uh, and that's just that's just what makes this place so special is, you know, you, you literally don't tweet for a couple of days and people are worried about you and they and they go check on you. Uh, we hope James is doing well. Uh, I got a text from him earlier. Sounds like he's on the road to recovery. Still got some uh, some time in front of him. But, uh, yeah, he's he's excited. And I have it on good authority that, uh, um, you know, he saw that the tweets and all the messages and it brought a smile to his face. So that's uh, that that just shows how cool night, night nation is. So, James, get well. We're thinking about you. And uh, yeah, happy birthday, by the way. His birthday. Yeah. Birthday. Happy birthday. The Knights need to take care of Temple on Thursday and the Bounce House is a special happy birthday to uh, to James. Knights favored by 23 in this one. Uh, what gets overshadowed maybe the game is 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 the, the space game, right? Uh, the debut of the uniforms. What did you think when you is saw that this them? week? I didn't see yes. it anywhere. Is that, is that this did, week? You didn't hear about that? On I didn't social hear about media. it. It wasn't it wasn't barely out there. Uh, look, I'm. Um... I like everything. I do think the space U being uh, that size, that font is a tad obnoxious. I'm the, I love the blue color. I think color. a tad I obnoxious actually... may be what UCF is yeah. always going for. That's fair. I like the blue color. I like the, uh, the accents. There's so many details in this. And that's the tough part is there's so much that goes into some of the small details that people will never see. Overall, I like the space concept. I could do with the large space U, though. That's probably my only gripe. I asked on my Twitter, though, about the Citronauts. We see a lot of that during this week. What do you think of Citronauts? And uh, 79% of people said once a year, just fine. Uh, Some, though, um, make it permanent, 18%. And I like the never crowd, 3%. But I'm good with it for this week. This one, of course, is the 100th game in the bounce house. I heard you guys talking about games you were at and games you missed. I haven't gone back and tallied it. I saw Eric DeSalvo of UCF Athletics say, He's been there for 87 of the 100. It may only be Mark Daniels on the radio call all these mm. years that's been to all 100. If you've been to all 100, uh, drop it in the comments. Knights, 76 and 23, going for number 77. They're 33 and 3 since 2017 at the Bounce House. Uh, pretty dominant place, and, and they welcome a Temple team that's 2 and 3. Knights, of course, uh, 4-1 and one coming off that 41-19 game over SMU, which to me at least seems like a long time ago now. 
Yeah, it seems like forever ago. And and I, I'm excited to see, can we carry over second half SMU into first half Temple? Can that be the springboard? Can we all be talking about this in you know, March and talking about how that SMU second half was kind of that, that launching pad space game theme, that launching pad for us to have a successful season? Can you carry that over? Does the, the you know that delay matter? Um, a lot, a lot to be seen. I'm excited to to get this game played and uh, see how the Knights are doing. Strong second half from quarterback John Rice Plumley. Of course, now you want to see him take that into the Temple game. What are we looking for from JRP? Consistency. During the media availability on Monday, head coach Gus Malzahn talked about what he sees as improvements in the passing game. If you can be balanced, like we talked about, and take what a defense gives you, every game's going to unfold differently. And I think we're starting to get consistent with our passing game and, and making people pay, you know, for trying to stop the run. Simple, right? <laughs> Just do those things. And I mean, he certainly was not happy about 49 passing yards in the previous game against Georgia Tech. So a much more balanced attack uh, in the win over SMU. Well, he mentioned in, in a previous clip in that press conference, Trace, how essentially SMU played zero coverage and basically dared them to throw the football. Uh, and it doesn't seem like they were prepared to do that in the first half. They came in the second half and they had a better game plan. You saw some easier throws for JRP. And that's where I want to see Gus evolve and help JRP a little bit. What are the things he does really well? And how do we get him in those situations? How do we get him in those scenarios? And then let's all be honest for a second. The protection at times has got to get a little bit stronger. I think there are opportunities where JRP is kind of running for his life. I do think he has to continue to mature as a quarterback, though. The first sign of trouble doesn't mean run out of there. Maybe that means you look at a different receiver. I think you're seeing that maturation. Again, hopefully that second half is, is, is muscle memory. It's a picture framed in his mind that he can take forward and, 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 and bring it to the, the future schedule. Um, but I want to see how, how Gus takes what he learned and what do we adjust about as we play Temple this weekend. And he had a Rhino Keefe back, right? Rhino Keefe in the end zone for the first time. I mean, he's been there, but as Coach Malzahn mentioned, been a bit dinged up. It's nice when he's got the threat of Javon Baker and Rhino Keefe. And Kobe Hudson showed up. He had a couple of catches as well, his first catches as a Knight. Um, and, you know, we, we talked to somebody earlier, and Trace, and, and if these weapons are clicking on offense, it is tough to stop UCF. It all starts for me up front with protection, though. JRP needs the time, uh, and, and I think Gus has to put him in, in positions. And you saw him do that a little bit. I know we knock, and maybe it's me when I say we, knock <laughs> Gus a little bit for offensive, um, offensive play calling. But all game long against SMU, you saw him do that fake jet sweep. Literally, like every first and second down, there was a fake Jets. And you kept saying, why is he doing that? And then there it is, you know, third, fourth quarter, a, a pass, air quotes, to Ryan O'Keefe that he takes down the sideline for a touchdown. So hopefully you see more of Gus doing that kind of stuff. You're seeing that stuff work out. Um, again, Temple's defense, you know, they're better, I think, than people think. So this this is an interesting matchup for me. Obviously, I think UCF is favored by 23-ish last time I saw we should be okay here, but I'm curious to see how we match up against the defense. And Cincinnati at home thought they were okay. Double-digit point favorites over uh, our friends over in Tampa, and you saw how tight that game was, so you can't uh, you know, overestimate a team. We talked in previous weeks about the drops. Oh, there are more than a dozen over the first couple of games, and uh, at uh, the Monday media availability, I asked quarterback John Rice Plumley, what do you do? What do you say? How do you encourage your teammates when they drop a ball and they come back to the huddle? Uh, I'm always coming back. That's what that's what I tell guys. It it it's good. And sometimes guys say, "Hey, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to do this." Hey, you don't have to make up for anything. I'm going to come back. We're going to make a play. Or sometimes they come with me, bad throw, and it's like, "Hey, man, you're good. Let's go. You're going to make the next one." And so it's it's really good when you can have that encouragement around the team. You know, when and instead of um, sometimes I've seen on other teams and um, been on other teams where, hey, some guy makes a mistake and everybody kind of wants to jump on him, versus a team like this, the guy makes a mistake, everybody comes picks him up, and ready for the next one. He's got a way about him, doesn't he? He's comfortable in front of the mic. I believe 0% of that, by the way. I really hope it's true. <laughs> I believe 0.0% of, of that conversation because we've seen a few times on the sideline guys look frustrated. And look, that's going to happen. And we have to remember, again, I don't want to use the Gus Malzahn excuse every week, but he hasn't played quarterback for two years. Some of these receivers are getting used to playing with him a little bit, right? And having him throw them the football. He throws a different kind of ball. He has a different arm angle. We saw that back shoulder fade. He's getting a lot of love for the back shoulder fade. That was a that was a dart. In a lot of places, that the cornerback turns their head. That's a that's a batted ball, right? That's not a reception. And I think there just has to be a comfortability that comes with him playing quarterback. I think he's getting it, but his receivers also have to adjust to that as well. I don't want to make excuses because there have been some catchable balls, but I do think that there will be some synergy, but I believe 0% of that.
Uh, I like how he said, though, you know, I'm encouraging them and they're coming back and saying, yeah, don't worry about that bad throw. <laughs> so we'll give and take uh, for, for both of them. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Knights fans are accustomed to uh, Mark Daniels for so many years now on the radio play by play. A new wrinkle and a new opportunity uh, for Knights fans to listen. Uh, a Spanish broadcast of UCF football this season. And we want to welcome in. Uh, the gentleman who does play-by-play -play on that Spanish broadcast, Carlos Borges, who uh, also does Spanish radio play-by-play -play for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Carlos, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Yeah, it's my pleasure being here. Thank you, Aaron Terry and uh, Trace. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor for me not just being part now of UCF and the first Hispanic, uh, Spanish broadcast for this amazing team and also being here with you. How did this come about? Uh, you know, there's a growing uh, Spanish-speaking community across Central Florida that we all know who live in, in Greater Orlando. How did how did you get on their radar? Well, um, I get uh, I came to U.S. in 2014. I was running away from my country, unfortunately, suffering a lot. Venezuela is suffering a lot, and I came to the U.S. I had been before came coming here. I spent 15 years working on media, TV, radio, working with soccer, baseball, moral sports, different radio, TV, newspapers, magazines in Venezuela. When I came here, the first opportunity I had was in 2016 as a multimedia journalist for Univision in Tampa. And I moved, actually, I, the, the, when I arrived to the U.S., I was in Orlando. That was the place where I, where I, 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 I landed and spent two years there. And then I moved to Tampa and working for Univision, I, there was an audition looking for the Spanish play-by-play. -play. I went, I did it, and they told me that you, you're going to be the guy. And fortunately for me, luckily also, I found Martin Gromarica as uh, the analyst, this uh, the Super Bowl champ kicker for the box. And I've been doing that since 2018. Oh, yeah, we are done five years already. And... Uh, I will say three or four months ago, I got a call from Mark Daniels. And he said, Carlos, nice meeting you. I've been looking for somebody who do the play-by-play -play for UCF. And I have reference about you. And let's talk about it. And here we are. <laughs> and there we are. When did you first develop an interest in uh, American football? Well, um, to be honest, guys, in Venezuela, uh, we had a lot of football to watch. Uh, ESPN used to broadcast, I don't know if they're doing it yet, but used to broadcast a lot for Venezuela. And now that we are been doing this um, box uh, broadcast, also we have been figured out that, of course, Mexico is a really big market for NFL. And also small markets like Colombia, Argentina, Spain, they have a huge community for NFL, London, Germany. So, you know, it's a big... Um, the message is really spread about the war, about the NFL. It's not just about the U.S. It's a lot of people interested on it. Costa Rica, uh, I can tell you, El Salvador. We we get message from different places of the war. It's, it's very, very exciting and interesting. Carlos, how is the college football game different than NFL? How have you had to adjust to calling, calling a college game? Well, uh, honestly, the college is a little more, I would say entertain maybe because we have more touchdowns usually uh the quarterback runs a little bit more also we saw a little more drops uh but he's you know mark told me um the, the, before the first game mark told me carlos forget about nfl nfl is more corporate is more business this is more about the players and about the family and honestly it's like that i can feel it since the first game it's a big atmosphere, different there in the stadium. You can feel it, how the people feel part of it, how everybody's involved with some uh, voluntary job they are doing. When you see the band, when you see there is so many details around the stadium that is really exciting and it's, it's different. It's the same game. It's, it's curious. It's the same sport, but it's different. What do you make of how, how the Knights have played so far? They're 4-1 and one on the season. How, how would you assess their play on the field? I really like what they're doing right now, especially the defense. I think it's amazing. I see great players there. And actually, I see there is a, I mean, a few players there. I'm projecting they're going to be in the NFL, pretty sure. Uh, they have a big domain in the, in the defense, especially in the leadership with Jeremiah. I think this guy is something definitely 
special. Uh, I really like uh, what the offense is doing, uh, especially Bowser. Isaiah, I think he's a great, great running back. Uh, he's so focused and he's not running into the, the sneak. He's always looking for the space. I think that's really interesting. With our QB also is, um, you know, that is something that I, I really admire from the last game. I don't know what Gus did in the locker room, but something really <laughs> different happened in the, in the second <laughs> half of the game. And that's very, very interesting because a college player, maybe you can think that uh, he's uh, mentally mature is not enough. He's not done yet, but he did something on the locker room and that works. But, and I hope they can keep going with that, especially throwing the ball. You guys were talking about how, how hard is it to get it that um, the way they, they need to play to throw the ball because you can win the games only running. That's, that's something very, very interesting. A lot of upside with John Rice Plumley. He must be exciting for you to, uh, to call. I'm sorry, what? Can you repeat that for me? John Rice Plumley, a lot of upside to him. When, you, when you're watching him play, it must be exciting for you to, to do the play-by-play -play call on one of his passes or runs. Oh yeah, yeah, he's very, very, very exciting. Um, that's it's it's very exciting, and the way he he's doing the things, I I think he's growing really well. I think he's doing he's growing really well, and also when the the bouncy house is jumping, it's also interesting in the stadium. <laughs> you feel it in your uh, your broadcast booth? I'm sorry, what? Do you feel the bounce house bouncing? Oh yeah, in your oh yeah, definitely, booth? definitely, 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 we can feel it, and also the. I hope we are bringing that excitement to the to the broadcast. You know, that's it's, it's a part of of the of the radio. And that you feed off the crowd, don't you? In a moment like that. Yes, yes, definitely, yes. We are doing that. Uh, we can feel the crowd, and that also I think makes more uh, make us feel more excited about it. And I hope we're taking through that through the through the signal of the radio. <clears throat> All right, Carlos, can you educate us a little bit? Can you help me? Um, I'm going to give you a phrase from a UCF. Can you translate it for us into Spanish, if you don't mind? So here's the first one. Ryan O'Keefe breaks a long touchdown run. Ryan O'Keefe está rompiendo una larga línea hacia el touchdown. See, that just sounds better, yeah. It uh, sounds so much better than how you said it. <laughs> it's so much better. One, <laughs> no. one thing, guys. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, I'm not a big fan of translating uh main names okay i don't okay. I, i don't i don't i'm not a big fan of translating like especially positions like running back quarterback linebacker safeties cornerbacks i don't like to do it i even didn't do it when we were doing stuff for baseball for example short stop is short stop left field is left field uh so but i know there is people doing that you always do that but i'm not a big fan of that Well, that makes the rest of this game um, really challenging. But I'm gonna I'm gonna forge ahead. Can you say reservations for six in the cabanas? Cabaña reservaciones para la cabaña número seis. <laughs> that sounds better too. All right. Can you say? Oh no, Obarski missed another field goal. No, no. Stop. Uh, okay. All right. I'll come back to that one. All right. How about uh, last one? Can you, you know say that? Trace is bullying me? No. Stop with that too. Trace se está burlando de mí. Actually, I, I will prefer Colton Bomber had another kick. Oh, man. <laughs> great kid. I love when he's out kicking there. <laughs> And that has been a noticeable change through these first five games, that the change of kicker and punter, you can tell Coach Malzahn has much more confidence uh, in Colton Boomer uh, than he had in Daniel Obarski, a kicker. Definitely. And um, the... You know how important because sometimes we forget about how important is the kicker for a, for a teams and also the special team, right? Because they can bring you even to the victory. We have seen that also this season, so it's it's very important sometimes because they are really short time, short period of time in the field. We we sometimes think they are not a really important part of the team, and that's it's a lot. What uh, what are you looking at? for the Knights to do in this game. They're more than three touchdown point favorites over Temple. Looks like a mismatch on paper, but you know, uh, teams have a funny way coming off a bye of, of getting up for the game as Temple might, and uh, Knights could be in a little bit more of a dogfight perhaps. 
Uh, honestly, what the best one I'm looking for is uh, be careful with the defense of the temples. That's the most uh, for me. The, the my biggest concern is about that, especially with the linebackers. I think a Plumley needs more time on the back, so they need to be careful about that. They need to take care of him really well. That's my biggest concern right now about the game on Thursday. How much time do you spend preparing for uh, a broadcast? I will say at the beginning of the week, usually I'm watching the highlights of the of the team that we're going to play against. Um, and then the day before, again, I'm going to watch the highlights. And of course, during the week, I'm checking, you know, websites, news, what's going on, updates on the injury, things like that. Um, I will say maybe a day and a half. I mean, if I put all the hours together, I will say about a day and a half getting ready for that. And of course, the, the game day, you know, when you arrive to the stadium, usually I try to be there at least two or three hours before, you know, talking about with people around, seeing the warm up. So there's a lot that you can grab from there. Carlos, you get to work with uh, with Sergio Torres on the call as well. What's it been like working with Sergio? Oh, Sergio's a great guy. I love that guy. Unfortunately, he couldn't do it today because he's still stuck on the TV station where he works. Um, but yeah, he's an amazing guy. He's such a professional. Uh, actually, me and Sergio, we arrived the same year to the U.S. in 2014. Was not nothing. We didn't plan like that. And he has been working with um, uh, uh, Orlando City Soccer as a play-by-play since 2014. He's an amazing professional. He's a great guy. Somebody who yeah, can you can trust everything on his shoulders. And actually, when Mark told me that we, we were going to I mean, he, Mark told me, Carlos, I want you to do it. It's a play-by-play. And uh, we need now somebody to be with you as an analyst. I said, I think, Sergio, you can do it. So I put Mark in contact with Sergio, and here we are. Now, are you guys able to travel to road games as well, or do you only broadcast from, from home games? Uh, we are broadcasting so far. Uh, the, this year, UCF wants only to do the home games. That's part of the process where they are getting used to because I know not all the teams are ready to receive um, two, you know, two different broadcasts on each stadium. Mm-hmm. So, so far, we are doing only home games and the expectation is next year, try to be in every game away and home, especially, you know, if the Big 12 is, is a reality. What reaction are you hearing from fans and as well from UCF Athletics? Well, so far, uh, people is really happy, especially people tells me when uh, Mark, I don't know, I mean, the marketing of the UCF media team put together a couple of clips with my calls of the touchdown and videos they match in post-production and they put it on social media. And the comments so far is that people get really excited in the way we, We call it touchdown because it's something, you know, more like soccer for us that way. Uh, so far, so far, so good. We are still getting used to, but I think so far the reaction is really positive. During your career, you've covered other sports. Do you think there may be opportunity to expand what you're doing for UCF? I hope, yeah. Honestly, I, I wish, I, I, I hope you can do that, some more stuff there. And there is a lot to do. Um, I... I was um, checking a couple months ago that over 20,000 students are Hispanic. So that's a lot. That means a lot for a university and also for the entire Central Florida because the community is growing and diversity is every day is something bigger. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be something good. And, you know, we can do soccer, baseball, basketball, whatever is a sport, we can do it. <laughs> yeah, let me end with this one. A soccer question. World Cup is oh, coming up uh, out of season. It doesn't seem quite right when it's when it's going to happen on the calendar. Who's your favorite? Uh, my favorite? So far, my country is not going into the World Cup. So anyone who's going to play, I'm going to watch it. I don't care. I love all the games. I hope USA actually do some something really good one day and another. And I, th- I know the road is going. And I, I know the target is around there, but honestly, I don't have a favorite team. I hope everybody have a great World Cup. Always is amazing. And doesn't matter if my country is not there. Always I'm going to watch the World Cup. Adam, can we get 
Can we get Carlos to say something about the Sons of UCF here that we might be able to chop up and, and use a, a, in a promo something? Because his calls go viral. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you just asked him, Trace. I, yeah. I, what, what do you want him to say? I don't know. Uh, Carlos, say something. Sons of UCF. Some sort of intro here that we can uh, use going forward. Para estar al día de lo que está pasando con el College Football UCF, tienes que mantenerte en sintonía de este podcast. UCF, go Knights, charge on. That is solid. That is solid. Carlos Borges. You can find him as part of the Spanish crew uh, covering uh, UCF football with Sergio Ruiz Torres uh, through UCF Athletics. Carlos, thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Enjoy the space game against Temple. No, my pleasure, guys. Thank you for inviting me and I appreciate the opportunity for the entire community. Of course, the UCF team, the UCF, the whole entire organization. Thank you so much. And if you are in the area of the, um, in the third floor, in the bouncy house, come and say hello. We are around there. No worries. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Carlos, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, guys. My thanks, pleasure. Carlos. Thank you. I like that. We're, hold on. We got a tree. We went from uh, from one um, one guy who's really good with words to another guy who's really good with He's words. He's amigos. Goodbye, Mike is here. What's up, guys? Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, uh, game tonight? Coaching? Yeah. You know what? The 1980s U.S. hockey team, Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson, and tonight almost a bigger upset in the game that we just played, but a great game out of my girl's day. We almost shocked the world. Almost. <laughs> it was close. We played the best team in the league, and we were we were right there with them for four or five innings. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, well, welcome into the show, Mike. Uh, Thanks, man. You missed a little bit. You'll be able to catch up. Uh, uh, got a big fundraiser uh, for Brit's Bunch coming up Saturday. Uh, Saturday night, one of our locations, uh, favorite locations, Poor Choice Orlando. I visited with Jan and Britt this week uh, to get an idea of what some of the items are going to be up for bid. All of the uh, proceeds going to help bring kids to a future UCF game. Let's uh, let's hear from them. Here with Jan and Britt getting ready for Saturday's big fundraiser, Britt's Bids for Kids. Jan, what do we have? Trace, I'm glad you asked. One of the things we have going up for auction is this lovely framed peach ball signed poster. We also have this stadium signed by the team from the 2017 perfect season frame. We have Hamilton tickets. We have Disney tickets. And we have the very first helmet from the Night of Lions. And a big cooler here full of goodies. That's right. UCF memorabilia. It's a magic cooler. You never know what's going to be in there, but it's going to be great. Plus autographed jerseys. Britt, what do you have? That's, that's Gabe it. Davis. Yes, that's right. Mr. Twinkletoes himself. All right. When is this again, Jan? It is October 15th. What time? 7 to 10 p.m. Where? Poor Choice Tap House, Orlando. And you can get tickets right now? At BritSponge.org. And all proceeds go to? To bring kids to the Navy game, kids with cancer, and kids with sickle cell. All right, Britt, what do you say? Uh, Come to your party. That's right. All right, Jan and Britt, go Knights! Charge on! Hey, the sons of UCF contributed to this as well. I saw the basket there. There it is, Jan showing off the basket. Adam, what, uh, what did the sons contribute? Looks like we get a hat, one of the original uh, Suns hats uh, with the gold lettering. And I believe there's also a, a 10-ounce uh, Suns uh, tumbler in there as well. Nice. Uh, and in that gift package, I believe there are also some restaurant tickets. So uh, good time, 7 to 10 on Saturday night. Looking forward to seeing a lot of Knights fans out at uh, Poor Choice Orlando. You alluded to it earlier in the show, Adam, that earlier we had opportunity to talk with Matt Berry. He's the play-by-play uh, -play, uh, as part of the broadcast uh, for the game against Temple. Uh, he'll be joined by Lewis Riddick on color and Harry Lyles Jr. I, look, I do this every week when I call games and we, and we look at the teams that we cover and you kind of find one or two things that you like about them. There really isn't much we don't like and I don't like about UCF. If we can just get that offense, if they can just get that offense going a little bit more to where you're used to seeing them hitting on all cylinders, the eye candy with Gus, all of that, this is a fun football team. And I, I really believe it's just the beginning. We're at the halfway point of the season. You'll know, and we typically know at the halfway point, we kind of separate themselves from the guys that surprised early on in the season that 
turn out to be a little bit of a pretender. And then the ones that had quick starts that you can ID as legitimate contenders. And I think UCF qualifies for that. Good conversation with Matt. Yeah, we're going to have that posted up on YouTube after the show. Unfortunately, his schedule didn't permit him to join us live, but we had about 20 minutes. We talked about the matchup with Temple. I uh, heard about his, his crazy schedule, which I think is interesting to, to hear about, and uh, his, his thoughts on the night. So check out our YouTube channel after the show. That'll be posted there. Again, uh, ESPN's Matt Berry. Uh, getting ready for action in the bounce house, of course. Mike, we, we're going to be able to talk about it a little bit in Q&A. We, uh, we showed off the helmet earlier, Space Week. Happy Space Game to you, my friend. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, I'm pumped up for it. Biggest, biggest game of the year. Yes. Uh, we've been talking about Temple. We talked a, a little bit about him with uh, Matt Berry, and, uh, and we're going to talk now with Ryan Wallen. He covers uh, the Owls for Owls Daily 24-7. He's been with us before. Ryan, welcome back into Sons of UCF Live. It's my pleasure to ha- be on, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so what do you make so far of the season for the Owls? Two and three, they've got the loss 24-3 to at Memphis, and now coming off a bye week. Yeah, you know, I, I think – most of that Memphis game really was what you wanted to see out of Temple. They were competitive in that game. And even though the final score really didn't reflect that, the Temple really outplayed Memphis for the better part of three quarters in that game until, you know, the fourth quarter, they kind of got a little gassed on defense and the offense committed some turnovers and really allowed Memphis to pull away. But, you know, I, I think that so far Temple's exceeding expectations right now. You know, they're a little bit ahead of where we expected them to be. The defense obviously has – really surprised a lot of people of how good they are playing right now and how legitimate like some of the players look on that team and and look like they could be some legitimate NFL prospects in a couple of years. But, you know, the offense is still struggling and that's been the Achilles heel right now of the Owls this season. And we're going to have to see, I guess, if, if this is the week the offense finally puts some things together, you know, head coach Stan Drayton said on Monday that, you know, they looked at some of the tendencies they were putting on tape and, they're going to try and break out of that a little bit this week against UCF, but it's going to be a tall task against the UCF defense, which has played pretty well so far in 2022 as well. You mentioned the offense. It looks like Temple settled on a quarterback, EJ Warner. Spoiler alert. Uh, you're going to hear this a million times. That's Kurt Warner's son. Uh, assess EJ, obviously true freshman, um, You know, not a ton of game experience yet, but assess his performance so far. What can we expect out of him? Yeah, you know, EJ, he looked – legitimate right away and and that's saying a lot for a kid that's 18 years old you know he only joined the team in in july so um he has a quick release uh very accurate passer much like his father was when he played in the nfl obviously and and growing up with obviously having a hall of fame quarterback as your dad that's what you would expect of a guy that you know is his uh his offspring so um, you know, he, he has shown some moments last week. Like I said, the Memphis game in the fourth quarter really was the first time he looked like a true freshman where he made some mistakes. And I think he was just trying to do a little too much and he just couldn't bounce back from it. But other than that, he's played some really solid football. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to blow you off, you know, the tape with his with his measurables or with his arm strength or anything like that. But you know, what Temple has been lacking in a quarterback the last couple of seasons has been a guy that can deliver the ball on time where it needs to be and, you know, somebody that can just command and manage the offense. And that's been what EJ has brought to the table so far. And he's shown that he has that potential to be a good quarterback in a couple of years. You know, he, he's a guy that, like I said, he, he's working on his deep ball, um, getting a little stronger. I think he, he needs to get a little bigger, obviously, but you know, right now he has that composure, the awareness that you want to see in a quarterback. And, and it looks like he could be somebody special for Temple. You know, probably the first quarterback since P.J. Walker at Temple that has a real shot at, you know, going somewhere. First year head coach Stan Drayton taking over this year. What are your early impressions of him? How is he managing the game? Is he aggressive coach? What, what is he trying to do to change the culture over there? Yeah, you know, Stan – Obviously, it was a little skeptical that when he was hired as Temple he- Temple's head coach because he had only ever been a position coach in his uh, his coaching career. And, you know, you typically want a guy that has some experience as a coordinator um, or previous head coaching experience somewhere. But, 
you know, Drayton didn't have that. But what really he brought to the table was he preached that he was going to restore Temple to the Temple Tough team that they had been under Matt Rule and part of the Jeff Collins era as well. And he felt that some of the players lost their way in knowing what it meant to be Temple Tough. And, and he said that that was one of the biggest things that made him want the job was because he knew this was going to be a rebuild. He knew this was going to be a challenge. And he's never shied away from challenges in his career before. So he said, why start now? Well, it's obviously his head first head, first head coaching opportunity. So um, he's just been really preaching what, what a lot of prior Temple coaches have. You know, we're going to be a tough, hard-nosed football team. We're going to hit you. We're going to grind the clock. We're going to try to, you know, make you get worn out by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. And so far, the defense has looked that part. The offense, not so much, but, you know, it, it's year one. It's early yet. Turnarounds don't just happen overnight. Um, but as far as his in-game calling and managing of the game, you know, he's a very aggressive head coach. He's gone for fourth down deep in his territory on numerous occasions so far this year. And sometimes you're like, why is he doing this? He's putting his defense in a real tough spot. But, you know, the, so far it really hasn't come back to bite them yet, really, because um, he has so much trust in the defense and the defense has played so well. Um, so he, he's definitely a guy that's going to get after you. And he's a, he's an aggressive game caller and he's going to go for it on offense on fourth down. He's going to not go for field goals because he said even against Memphis the other week when he had a chance to go up three nothing early in that game after a, a 70 plus yard play to Jose Barbone that got them in field goal range. He said field goal wasn't going to win that game. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to pass up even short field goals for for touchdowns. You mentioned Matt Rule earlier. Quick aside here, what did you make of him being fired this week by Carolina Panthers? I understand the frustration, um, but, you know, I have no doubt that Matt's going to find his way to a head coaching job and a lucrative one at that very soon. You know, if he wants to take some time off, obviously he can for the and wait for that right opportunity to come around. But, you know, Matt's a solid football coach, and if you can win at Temple, you can win pretty much anywhere. That's a lot of what people have said in the past, so – you know, I, I thought I understand the frustration, but I also understand that the Panthers GM didn't necessarily do much to help in that regard. And the owner didn't do much to help him in the regard of getting a quarterback and getting some of the pieces of the puzzle that they might have needed to succeed. But I was more so confused by the letting go of defensive coordinator Phil Snow and uh, special teams coordinator Ed Foley, who are both Matt Rule guys as well, because. Obviously, that had not been the issue for the Panthers. It seemed it seemed to be more on the offensive side of the ball, but that's it is what it is. I know football is a business, so let's talk more about the Owls' defense. How do you think they can cause problems for the Knights' offense, and in particular, quarterback John Rice Plumley? Yeah, you know, DC DJ Elliott has been you know a guy that's been very aggressive so far this year, and he's a guy that is looking to, you know, build back a reputation a little bit because he's a guy that had been at Kansas before, had been at Colorado, and, you know, just didn't see a lot of success at those two schools. And those schools are not historically known for being good defensive schools. But, you know, he took the year off last year, really focused in on developing a new scheme, uh, 3-4 base defense with simulated pressures, much like what Georgia runs right now. And so far, you know, it, it looks like it's a legitimate defense. I mean, you know, their front seven especially has got after people. And they've already surpassed last year's sack total. They are, I believe, fourth in the country in tackles for loss right now with 45 tackles for loss. And, I mean, those numbers are pretty insane considering you're five games into the season and you're already at uh, 20-plus sacks and you're at 45 tackles for loss. And, and the defense is just not – I think the most remarkable thing has been the turnaround in defending the run. Last year, they were giving up over 200 plus yards on the ground every game, every week. It was 220, I believe, at the end of the season per game to opponents. And right now, they're only giving up 130 yards on the ground. So a 90-yard drop-off in in yards per game allowed in the run game to opponents, as well as, you know, just think about the time of possession aspect of that stat as well. That's quite the turnaround for, you know, one year with a lot of the players being the same. Ryan, if Temple has any advantage over UCF, what do you think that is? Where do you see advantages from the Temple side? I think the advantage has to be on the defensive side. I mean, 
based on the stats right now, it looks like Temple's defense is legit regardless of who they're going to play. And I know if you look at the schedule, some people say that, well, who have they played? They've played Rutgers, who's a horrible offensive team, UMass, who's a horrible offensive team, Lafayette, who's a horrible offensive team, and Duke. And Duke blew them out 30 to nothing. But if you look at the game film, those games are a lot more indicative of what this defense brings to the table. Um, they're a team that's just going to pressure you and pressure you and pressure you, and it's going to come from all over the field. And, you know, I, I think they have the advantage in that regard as far as they can get to the quarterback. And I think they're going to be better than most teams' offensive lines and their offensive schemes in that regard in getting to the quarterback and being able to get to the backfield, create pressure, you know, put people behind the sticks and create havoc and create long down and distance situations. The conference is getting shaken up after this year. This may be the last time we play you guys in, in a while, if ever again. What are your favorite memories? Is it the J.J. Wharton catch in 2013, or you have something else? Oh, man. That, that's <laughs> I like how one. Mike leads with that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a low blow, man. That, oh, that one, right. <laughs> no, um, obviously, I think the 2016 game with P.J. Walker leading. Yeah, we don't mention that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that probably hurts you guys the most, but obviously that game just being such a – way to end the game after Temple was down so so much so early in that game, and they will just work their way back. And obviously that final drive where P.J. Walker finds Keith Kirkwood for the touchdown with one second to go, it's just iconic moment. And that was really, you know, what put Temple on top of the conference that year and allowed them to win the conference championship. You got two other schools coming in named Owls. You have Rice and FAU. What are we going to do? We're going to create some kind of rivalry matchup with these schools? I was hoping there was going to be like a Parliament Cup or something between the Owl schools or something because, you know, Temple needs a little bit of a rivalry. We really don't have one up up here in the Northeast now that UConn's gone. And I they, I mean, they were your guys' rival for a while because you know, it was still a conflict. But, but no, I, I would like to see, you know, obviously the conference chose to go with the bigger media markets rather than geographic um, fits. But which kind of leaves Temple out in the dark in that regard, other than Navy for football. But, you know, it is what it is. And as long as they're bringing in quality opponents to keep the American as the power six conference and those schools end up performing well. I mean, I I think the conference is still going to be in a good spot. Some sort of cup maybe sponsored by Hooters or something (laughs) like that. Ryan, you're making you're making the trip down to Orlando, correct? Correct. All right, I will look for you in the press box. Ryan Wong covers Temple for Owls Daily 24-7. Ryan, safe travels. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Look forward to meeting you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Ryan. Ryan. Thanks, man. (laughs) Mike with a hard-hitting question. All those Owls uh, doing doing battle in the league. All right, what's your (laughs) prediction on this one? Knights favored by 23 on on some sites. I think we cover that by halftime. I think that we blow these guys out of the water. And everybody rests in the second half. 42 nothing. Wow. Give me uh 45 12. 12. Yeah, 12. The guy just told you they don't kick field goals. <laughs> 12. Those that's they're two shock missed the extra points, Mike. That's two. <laughs> two shock the world. Two missed extra point. And they're going to do it with 1 second left. Uh, going <laughs> to yeah. get a touchdown with 1 second left uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Knights will win this one. I don't expect much from the uh, the Owls' offense, but uh, I think the defense is going to going to be interesting to see how JRP handles that. Uh, Thirty six to three. I will say so. Ryan's the second one. If you listen to Matt Barry's conversation later, he also talks about how uh, how good the Temple defense is. Uh, if if they get pressure again, our line has been a little bit leaky at times. That's one area that you could be concerned about. So these are two people in the last two hours who have told us that Temple's defense is uh, is better than expected. So maybe something to keep an eye on. All right, uh, Mike, uh, one of your favorite things, uh, bowl projections, ESPN, UCF Miami in the Fenway Bowl, UCF Iowa State Armed Forces Bowl, CBS Sports has UCF Texas San Antonio in the Cure Bowl here in Orlando. I don't know how the season's going to end up in the Cure Bowl. And Action Network, UCF Duke in the Military Bowl. Still like the uh, the matchup with Miami, but not in Boston, right? No, even though Fenway Park would be cool, but it'd be freezing in December. There's no way. <laughs> that, that's a tough one. If we're going to play Miami, play them down here. And, you know, if we're not going to be in a New Year's Six game, then you might as well put us in the Cure Bowl or in Boca or somewhere close by. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, around the kingdom real quick before we open the mailbag. Women's soccer, they beat SMU. Uh, AAC Defensive Player of the Week is George Eaton-Collins. Goalkeeper of the Week, Caroline DeLau. A rescheduled game. Cincinnati got dashed because of weather. They will play Cincinnati before UCF football uh, plays Temple. So you can catch the Knights out at the UCF Soccer and Track Complex, 3 o'clock on Thursday. Men's soccer, uh, they snap their losing streak, uh, get back in the win column. They go down to South Florida, real South Florida. They beat FIU 3-1. AAC Offensive Player of the Week, junior Luca Dorado, two goals versus the Panthers. That is seven straight games that he has with a goal. Uh, They are in Birmingham Friday to take on UAB. UAB new to the American this year. Volleyball. They finally lost one. They lost at Houston last week. Uh, they dropped one spot in the rankings, 24, 13-1 overall, 5-1 and one in the AAC. Uh, they beat Tulane uh, on the other game of the weekend. They welcome in now Temple and ECU Friday and Sunday. Also, hoping to hop on AAC Media Days between uh, 11.30 and 12 on Thursday. That's where we're going to have opportunity to talk with uh, men's and women's basketball coaches for UCF and a couple of players during AAC Media Days. Ah, preseason projections not looking so good for the Knights. Men projected sixth by the league's coaches. Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, one, two, three in that, usual names. Women, you know, who's left on that uh, roster? New coach as well in City of Messer. Projected eighth, the Cows, Houston, and SMU are uh, projected one, two, three there. And then late uh, before we went on, John Rothstein saying that the Big 12 – uh, they're going to pair Houston and UCF uh, in men's basketball. So a budding rivalry there. Which one will be the real space U, right? Uh, it looked like that, but they're trying to build as a uh, rivalry. All right. Mailbag time. Any coaches to open things up? This is Herb Hand. Let's open the Sons of UCF mailbag. Hey, Herb. I really want to give him like a cough drop or something every time I hear that. <laughs> that was preseason too. There's <laughs> a guy going uh, along the season. Uh, any any uh, walk and talks? Zero. Zero. Zero walk and talks. All right. Uh, Captain Beach One called me out today. Hey, is it too late? Uh, no, never too late for you. Uh, genuinely perplexed by the response to the space uniforms by some in our fan base. Can understand liking or disliking, but why is it some of our fans spew such venom over them? Is that normal? Or just a UCF thing. I think it's just the personalities of the particular people is is my philosophy. Not happy with anything. Some of those people I've muted recently. You guys? I think at some point it's, uh, you know, diminishing returns. I mean, they've done such a nice job. It's how do you keep upping the ante? And, and I think the expectation level is so high. You know, the level of detail that goes into these things is pretty cool. But you have to really look at the uniforms and see some of the side panels. Uh, and I think just the expectation bar is set so high at, at some point. So your point, Trace, no one's going to be happy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, some people just like to cause a ruckus. That, that's another thing. And have fun on, on Twitter. And, you know, I never said anything bad about the uniforms themselves. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, well, 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 maybe it was you who's causing a ruckus. No, yeah, yeah. I never said, I made a joke about the sensitive people that get all excited about the uniforms. Never said anything about the uniforms. Never, not a word. I think the uniforms look cool. But I, I wasn't uh, having a party getting ready to, to, to watch the unveiling. Mike wasn't here earlier. There was a comment uh, that you showed on screen. Uh, do, you, do you remember what that one was? That, I uh, do. I do. Hold on a second. Now, uh, yeah, that's that if one. If you can find no. that. Uh, yeah, that's not it. This is riveting entertainment right here. By the way, a lot of people that like the uniforms thought my joke was funny. It's just a certain few that really got offended by it, which I, I kind of enjoyed myself anyway. Well, Brian W. Peterson asks about Space Game Week. Which previous Space Game uniform has been your favorite and why? I really like the moon helmet. For me, they're all good. Yeah, there it is, Mike. Paul Jones. Paul Jones. He was suspended top- for the first 30 minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Can you read that, Mike? You see that? Yeah, I uh, see it. Paul Jones, one of the best, most passionate listeners. Did he make the top eight? He did not make your top. He did not, but he made me the top 10. And the top 10 has been unreleased, so you don't know. <laughs> Look, the only people that really got upset about it are the people that actually are probably not getting laid. <laughs> I, I mean, why else are you going to get upset about it? Oh, boy. Here it goes. All right, so which ones? Uh, which uniforms? I like the, the moon helmet, and I'm good with any of them. I'm, I, they're all unique. Uh, I, wrote, I wrote down a 2018 uniform, uh, 2019 helmet, which was the moon helmet. Yeah, the moon helmet's the best one so far. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to rank them all. I, I can't even tell you which year is what. Let's do a Sons of UCF extra where Mike breaks down 
uh, the history of the space game uniforms at Acosta Gym. Is it important moving forward to execute right out of the gate with success in the first quarter? Yep. Yes. Uh, they need to get off to a good start. And yeah. it's interesting, the defense hasn't always gotten off to uh, to the most promising start. They tighten things up. But uh, at retro nighttime, with regards to offensive play calling, do we expect more of simplifying the playbook for JRP, at least in terms of pass scheme? It's going to be interesting. We keep hearing about the Temple defense. Uh, they made those adjustments at halftime. They put JRP in a good position last week. I don't know if simple is the word choice, but it has to be right. It has to be the right fit, I think, for what the what the talent on the team does. I don't know if that means it has to be more simple, but I would like to see it be a little bit more tailored to the strengths of the team. I think at this point, five games in, you see what those are. Let's play to those strengths if we can find them. I'm in the comments again. I didn't hear what the question was. <laughs> at retro nighttime, how about this one for you, Mike, with regards to offensive play calling? No, I said that. I asked that one already. At Black Gold. Do you two know what's going on in the show? Am I the only one around? <laughs> At Black Gold underscore Ed. Have the receivers finally figured now. out how to catch the JRP wobble pass? Not picking on him. He just doesn't throw a tight spiral. But then again, neither did Blake Bortles. So you think there's some adjustment? I mean, I, I, when you see those highlights, I mean, it does wobble a little, I guess. I mean, you, you're you're a, a Division One receiver. These guys... Uh, the balls that they dropped, I don't. I have to go back and watch them. Maybe there's a little wobble, but he's hitting people right in the numbers on some of them. They got to come down with those. Mike, mullet or no mullet? You got a mullet? You haven't had a haircut in a while. Uh, it's not a mullet. It's just uh, really long hair and uh, tucked under the, the hat. Yeah, that was his best Colton Boomer impersonation right there. And <laughs> Almost Ethan as long of, as Boomer. It's getting and there. Ethan of 126 with quite the setup to his question. Yes. Temple's visiting us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, birthplace of the Philly cheesesteak. Philadelphians Pat and Harry Oliveira are often credited with inventing the sandwich in the early 1930s. All that in mind, will Temple score a touchdown in this game? <laughs> Adam, you got him down for two. Uh, yeah, Kyle Nash called. He wants his question back. Um, yeah, I will, I'll go. I'll go two, Trace. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, and Mike, you got him shut out. Yeah, I think we're going to shut him out. If anything, maybe they kick a field goal early. But no, I, I don't see these guys getting the end zone. Uh, at Golden Knight underscore the second. In light of how the cow pasture out West gave Cincinnati issues last week, do we fear we expect a similar performance from Temple? I, I do think he can't take them lightly, though, right? Every week you can be beat, and we've seen that over and over in college football. I think if you're not prepared, the other team comes out, they have a good plan, you fall behind, turnovers happen, any team can be beat. So at this point, I don't think we're a good enough team to take anybody lightly. Mike, at Lonely B UCF, is it encouraging to see a team with a quarterback that can't throw have some success against Cincinnati? It's encouraging to see Cincinnati not be as dominant and as scary as a lot of us thought they were, at least for a week. Doesn't mean that they're good. They're a good team, but the Cows almost beat them. So, I mean, we can, we should be able to handle them at home, too, if, if that's the way they're going to play against us. At S. Morrow, Scott asking, which matchup of our slow starts are most likely going to catch up uh, on us, East Carolina, Cincy, or against the Cows? I, I think that East Carolina game being at night, that's going to be a raucous atmosphere in, in Greenville. I, I think there's still a trip up on the road uh, between Tulane, Memphis, ECU. One of them, at least, doesn't uh, doesn't feel quite right. Again, I don't think we can afford slow starts against a lot of teams at this point, right? I mean, uh, you know, even Navy, they're going to they're gonna ball controls. If we go down 14 nothing, how many times are we going to get the ball back? So I think we've got to figure out a way to start faster on offense, put points on the board, put touchdowns on the board. We've had like 12, 15-play drives, and we've set up for field goals the last couple of games. We need to punch it in for seven on the first drive. Mike, uh, at Spursy Knight, asking a complicated question here. The seven games left, rank them in order of concern. I'm not going to put you on the spot with that one, unless you've come prepared with the list of, of the seven. But what, what's one or two that most concern you? Are you still worried about Cincinnati, even though it's at home? Yeah, Cincinnati is the best team remaining on the schedule. I, I, SMU would have been on this list high, but we saw what we did to them. Cincinnati's the toughest on the road. Give me, Tulane, number two. East Carolina, number three. Um, who's left? Navy's at no Navy Navy Temple and and the cows are no good. We the cows you got to put up there just because it's a rivalry game, but this Temple team is probably the worst that's left on this guy. Uh, at Mr. Matt Dolan with a late question to me: Will the AAC refs cost the Knights a game this season? <laughs> a provocative question. Yeah, look, you, you said it, Trace. ECU, crazy game, crazy atmosphere. If that gets close, I have no, I have no faith that the American referees are going to not throw flags everywhere. I mean, you think ECU? Uh, Memphis is another another one that I, I'd be I'd be scared that referees are going to get in the way, especially in home crowds. We saw a couple of bad calls last week on a pass interference, right? But the game was already in hand, so if it's a close game, that could be a, a game changing call. 
the, the key is against these bad teams, don't make it come down to that and, and just put these teams away early. That's right. At Jason Vegas 22, uh, he was talking about the 22s. We've seen nearly all of them. Do you see more minutes for them in the upcoming games? They're going to be interesting in this game if UCF gets that lead. Do we see more than just a last couple of moments, a couple of plays from Thomas Castellanos? He's who I'm looking for, especially if they get up big. Yeah, I can see both arguments to that, Trace, because the more reps JRP can get, the more you know comfortable he can get playing the position. I think the better off it is. But you want to, you know, you want to you know, be careful with injury. You also want to get Tommy some run. But I, I think it's encouraging. You're seeing a lot of a lot of the freshmen. I think Nakai Martinez is probably the name that stands out the most that are getting good playing time and playing really well. Uh, we keep talking about the future of college football. We need kids like Nakai Martinez next year. John Walker, if he sticks to come in and make an impact right away, that's kind of how we'll know we're on the right trajectory. Yeah, I'd love to see. I said it on the show. I'd love to see Jordan McDonald get in there this week. I'd love to see Tommy C get in there. How about Quan Lee? So all the freshmen. Get them all playing time if the starters take care of business like they should in the first half and the third quarter. Uh, you wonder this may be the easiest game, perhaps, uh, on the schedule. If not this game, when would they get other opportunities? You might find yourself in tougher games, especially with three more on the road. Robert, at two letters, two words, asking about the stadium. Should the changes be focused more on capacity? He says more seats or enhanced premium experiences. Uh, I, I don't think they need to expand this stadium until the demand is sufficient for it. So keep creating opportunities for those premiums. Yeah, I think you get you know, unique and creative with what you have in the stadium. I don't think we're at a capacity extender at this point just yet. But I think you have opportunities to find ways to make the experience better. The reality is, I mean, we're all fans, so we want to be there. But you know, you're, you're battling the 80-inch TV that's hanging on somebody's wall in the living room and the ease of watching that. So give them something in that in-game experience that's going to make it worth their while outside of just being a diehard fan. Yeah, definitely the premium seats. Improve that. Improve the ones that we have. I mean, the food, all that stuff can use a little bit of improvement. Uh, the hot dogs, perhaps. Hot dogs, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. At Dolly underscore drama, Halloween party circuit starts this weekend. What was your best or most memorable costume growing up or in college? I don't even remember. I think in college, I just put on like a baseball cap and said I was like a pitcher and just went around and got free candy. Um, outside of that, I can't even, I can't recall one Halloween costume, but I'm going to let you all in a little secret here. Our friend, Mr. UCF Mike, Year over year over year is a supreme Halloween costume dresser upper. He's he's the expert in this question. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him answer this. It's really my wife that it's her favorite holiday. She tells us what we're gonna be every year, and I just kind of go along with it. Uh, we usually have a theme, the four of us, and we've been pretty good about it this year. I can tell you guys because they're not listening. Nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, it's a show I've never seen before. Stranger Things. Um, I don't know who any of the characters are, but I like the costume this year because it's just a basic t-shirt and I just can be comfortable with it. Last year we were killer clowns. The, uh, the mask was very hot walking around all night. <laughs> <laughs> I may post this as we get closer to Halloween. I, I have a photo. I'm dressed up like the wizard, no, no, the uh, Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz during college. I have no memory of that party. So I think that was a really good... Jell were, there, were there jello shots? Uh, there was probably <laughs> jello shots. Should add some jello shots to celebrate episode 200 of the Sons of UCF. Years in the making. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Again, we talked on the show. We didn't think we'd get, you know, 10 episodes, five episodes, and let alone 200. Uh, but really, anybody who's ever taken one minute out of their life to listen to the show, download, respond, support... Uh, we, we couldn't we couldn't thank you guys enough. That's the whole reason we do this is for the opportunity to just be a part of the Night Nation. And the fact that people actually want to listen to it just blows my mind. So uh, too many people to thank, Trace. You're one of them early on uh, when Mike and I didn't figure out how to plug the microphones in and what the heck content looked like. I remember you and I meeting at the first Fiesta Bowl and talking about the show. and You gave me some ideas on how we can kind of grow. Uh, it takes a village and everybody that's listening and watching as part of our village. And we appreciate you. Yeah, it's been a fun ride, man, right? I never would have thought we got this far. And the things that we've accomplished have been pretty cool. Finding out about the White Horse, all the player interviews that we've done, uh, pregame shows. We, we've done a, a big variety of things here over the last few years, and it's gotten better and better as the years have gone on, and it's only going to get better from here. I like the sentiment. <laughs> it is? Jeez. Okay. <laughs> no Can't get worse. Can't get worse. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> 200 shows, and of course, there's been more than that, but 200 of the of the podcasts that you guys do every week. Uh, at the same time as the Space Game, the 100th 
game in the bounce house. So a lot of uh, numbers lining up there. Trace. Yeah. How many games in the bounce house have you been to? Out of the you know, I know I, I saw that question being asked this week. I, I know I have not been to all of them. Uh, I, I'd have to go back. Uh, there's there's some I miss. Like I miss the uh, openers usually because I have a work conference at the same time. But and they moved that came to. You're in Thursday. the 80s probably, right? Uh, I'd say. Up. Yeah, I'd say probably 80s. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good amount man. yeah we were talking uh, mark daniels uh mentioning uh that he'd been to all 100 of course and I'm, I'm curious to see who else has been to to that number well 99 until tomorrow so manny yeah. messinger Man, manny messinger yeah there's a few uh, the few fans that have done it i'm sure but yeah not many yeah i want to thank carlos borquez who uh, is now doing the play-by-play -play on the spanish broadcast for uh, ucf football for being good enough to join us and uh, we have the soundbite from matt barry matt barry when will that drop uh, as soon as i can get that thing to upload to youtube i would say like 9 30 ish no pressure there and then of course yeah. uh ryan wallen uh night owls 24 7. i'll see him up in the press box so a uh, good one gonna be on espn knights looking to uh, close out the first half of the season Five and one and move to two and zero oh in AAC play. So uh, I know you guys will be watching. I'll be there. Follow me on Twitter at SignPez. Uh, we will close out the show with one of the players uh, for Adam and Mike. I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights! Jeremiah, thank you for watching Central UCF. He does everything. Sports Social Podcast Network.